Welcome to the Rumpus Room. Hey everybody, how's it going out there? It's the boys from the Midwest back kicking it here in the Rumpus Room and let's hit them with the takeaway message of the day. Compound interest, version two. So I've been doing a lot of research on investments and we'll get into this in the, the podcast, but what uh, what has been really in- interesting to me is how do you grow habits within yourself that are very small changes that um, get you in get you the right direction like what habits get you the most value for feedback and so one that I just think everybody needs to hear and I heard this uh, the other week is before you start your day do one hour of just completely un one focus single focused work on the most important thing so like if you're in school write that paper that you need to write or if you're in a business send out that do those emails do your whatever, like, yeah. do that for one hour and just be relentless with doing that every day before you do anything else in the work day and so uh, we talk everybody's talking like, morning routines and all this stuff but I found that and he in what I've been doing so I've been doing this for the past few weeks you really get a good start off to the day because I've had a lot of, uh, let's just say, fires the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. And so I feel a lot better about putting those out once I get that thing taken care of. So, for example, like finish that contract, that contract that you're sending to your customer. Get that. Like that is how you get paid in my world. So get that thing written and sent. Like that has to be done before any other work can be done. Sure. So that's really been something that's helping me and what – the argument is, is like this will compound over time very, very effectively and get back into it. And we'll talk about investing and all that other stuff. It's been another thing. I just went on kind of like a half vacation and so got into a lot of this different work, but I was finding myself feeling a lot better after that hour in the morning. Sure. Cause you had taken care of your priority items. So mm-hmm. it, you were not like being stretched thin on the things you needed to accomplish and then getting multiple requests on top of that, making it further away from being accomplished because sure. you're satisfying all these requests. Yeah. And, and it's a lot easier to like distract yourself like, Oh, I'm going to go do the laundry and Oh my gosh, there's all these things. And I'm going to multitask when that thing's still sitting out there. And I tell you what, it causes me a lot of stress when I don't do those things because everybody knows what they should be doing. Like, I don't need to tell you, like if I asked you what's the most important thing, if you really sat down and thought about it for two minutes, you would know. Yeah. Like what's going to drive you farther? Everybody knows. And yeah, it's going to change every day. Maybe one day it's a contract. Maybe the next day it's an email. Maybe it's a phone call to your business partner, whatever it is. But there's always that kind of like difficult, everybody's like eat the frog, that thing that you need to do. So just do it for an hour. And instead mm-hmm. of like, yeah, I think we kind of make fun of this self-help, like, oh, I'm going to work 50 hours today and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, do as much work as possible. I'm going to work every, every hour of every day. It's like, no, do this for one hour. It's something you can stomach and you will feel a lot better about yourself. Yeah. And speaking of compound interest, uh, obviously the the metaphor here being that that will build over time Mm -hmm. on top of itself. Basically what you're doing is you're turning your time into an investable commodity in yourself. Exactly. Which is I'm going to invest in the most high value place 
right now. And we were just having a discussion about investing in the most high value place because um, I'm in my late 20s. Uh, a lot of my friends who are, you know, early 30s, late 20s are investing in, are, are now investing. And yeah, we all have disposable-ish income. And for those of you who are not in debt, which we'll get to in a second, because so there's there's some people who are who have the luxury at this point to be doing investing. And what I've found is a lot of people are looking at real estate as an investment in mm-hmm. in my age, be, simply because I think it's got a relatively um, people need to live somewhere. People need to live. It's an understandable business model <laughs> yeah. in terms of I know how to get a mortgage. I know that if I cover it's that mortgage square feet. with rent, yeah. it's going to be a relatively low risk investment unless I have a tenant who destroys the entire place, right? Which there's a contract on lawdepot.com that you can figure out where you can be covered for. You know, it's like, yeah, exactly. It's a, you can get the insurance for that or whatever. But. You know, there's, there's, yeah, from I think you're like from a simplicity standpoint, it's something that's very understandable. Mm-hmm. You know, what's a square foot worth in terms of a dollar amount? You know, and what's the investing rate? You, you know, what's the, these numbers are not complicated. Well, you calculate. can cash flow it fairly mm-hmm. easily in terms of predicting the cash flow. And uh, a lot of my, um, a lot of my friends are, are looking at this and I was kind of getting excited about like real estate investing. And then mm-hmm. at the same time, um, uh, you know, I had this conversation about life insurance and how you spend your capital and I'm in a an interesting situation where um, I have a business that I'm trying to start and develop that costs capital and Mm -hmm. I'm I'm building an asset I'm building a company with equity that hopefully will have market value and and so these 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 distractions always come along like oh real estate investing or you know whatever it might be the new startup that you could be a part owner of or yeah or or even something like life insurance which would be cash flow negative with the promise of or you know would be a a, a constraining cash flow right now for the potential of a benefit later which i weigh against my ability to invest that capital now and perhaps receive a better return mm-hmm. in, in the long run and uh, I, I've just had to keep reminding myself to like stay the course because um, I've been getting excited about hearing all these other people have these great investment ideas, and you know I, I want other people to have that success. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, it's you know I've been like, oh man, I'd love to you know get in the game and buy a house out in a ski town that I could then rent out on rent Airbnb out. exactly, and then visit it when <laughs> yeah, I want to. Exactly. Bring the boys over. Yeah, and just uh, fly out there one weekend. Totally, and and so I'm making these airstrike trips where mm-hmm. I fly in, fly out, leave tracks just, all over the mountain. Just tracks everywhere. <laughs> Slough yeah. management 201. Yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, and then I'm out of there. And you know, part of me really wants to be like, well, you know, how do you turn this into? Oh, but, uh, but I, I've been back in the in the idea of you know, really, well, I'm going to try and spend my money where um, I'm going to have the highest return, which in my instance I believe is investment in this company. And obviously, you know, it's different for everybody. And we were chatting about individuals who are not building businesses. Real estate is a really great way to. Invest. Diversify yourself too. Yeah, and mm-hmm. invest in an asset uh, as opposed to just taking your cash and throwing it in the bank. And mm-hmm. um, you had said in our, you had said that you, there were three equations you were kind of thinking about that mm-hmm. you were 
um, reading from Munger and uh, Buffett. Mm-hmm. Do you do you happen to know them knowledgeably enough to perhaps give an overview of even what they are about, or yeah, or is that a, a topic of conversation for another time? So I'll, I'll just give some background on why I got into this, and what it did is it take it took a look at everything that. Munger and Buffett have invested it in the past, you know, in Berkshire's history. And they've looked at the shareholder letters, which he writes all about how does he value businesses. And what's interesting is when you value a business, like say, for example, uh, 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 Buffett is big into Dairy Queen. So he thought that that company was running really, really well. There wasn't anybody else like Dairy Queen. So he figured out what is the right price that I will pay. And then he just tried to figure out, he tried to um, then just went after the company to try to pay that price. And so he has a calculation, number of different calculations that you run that, and, and I'll talk about him here in a little bit, but it's how do you value a business? And then how do you know is this the right decision? And what's interesting about how they make investments is they try to pull as much emotion out of your decision-making as possible. So they try to say, these calculations, they stand behind. And um, with these calculations, you can you can know, okay, I feel comfortable about purchasing this asset. And what I found interesting is it seemed like most of the businesses were bought during recessions. So when the prices go down, because humans are emotional so once you figure out this is the value of the business i think it is i'm going to buy it when it gets to that price you have to just wait until it gets to that price and what happens is during recessions buffett was a shark he started to go out and buy businesses which conceptually makes a lot of sense but then it becomes the question of well how do you do that so the book that i read is called invested and I think it's really good because it's probably more geared toward people that have like absolutely hate numbers. You know, they are very afraid of numbers. So a lot of the book is you kind of got to get over it is, you know, it's okay to do numbers and, you know, balance sheets and cash flows aren't too bad. But what it what it encourages you is to go find this information in the 10Ks. 10K, yeah. So you look up the 10Ks and you figure out, what is the net income? What are they spending on cash in terms of capital expenditures? So you figure out there are different ways of measuring, you know, what is the return? You know, are they investing a lot of money in new stores? What is their current profitability? And it doesn't take the the uh, 10K's word for it. You have to go find it. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to look quick to make sure I've got the right equations. Um well, and you and I both were finance undergrads, so some of this comes a little bit more naturally to us than I suppose uh, most folks. Yeah, it does. And I think there's a number of different uh, ways of getting through this, and one of them is called uh, margin of safety. So this is, you look up numbers such as net income, and we can post these equations onto our um, at our, our uh into our, our space so that everyone on our website so people know exactly how to find them. But what it does is it calculates. Well, uh, so one of them is margin of safety. One of them is what is the cash return? So they want 
to you want to return your investment in eight years. So let's just say you invest a hundred grand. You want to get a ten percent profitability return in you know in eight years. So that's not enough. So you need more than that. Hmm. So that's the calculation of is this a risky enough investment or not? And so what they argue for is so for me what I did is I looked at companies that I like. So I'm you know, healthcare all over the place. Sure. So what companies in healthcare are attractive to me? Mm-hmm. What are emerging businesses? What are things that I like to buy? What are areas that I hear a lot of that I know? Mm-hmm. You know, like Chipotle, you know, just Costco, things like that. You can go and just kind of have fun with it, but pull these numbers from their 10Ks and act like you're buying the whole business. Don't look at percentage of shares. Yeah. Just figure out what is the entire company worth to you Based on the calculation. And then you calculate what's the price. So without going into a ton of detail over the math, because I think that would bore everybody, what you're doing is you're pulling net incomes, cash flow. You know, I did it on some of some of the profit. Yeah. You're just trying to figure out profitability and are they overspending, underspending? You know, you look at do they have what they, they call it a moat? So what is their competitive advantage? So do they have a significant advantage over everybody else, whether it's a patent, whether it's a brand like Amazon, for example, there's nobody like Amazon granted. I'm sure that's way overpriced. I haven't done the analysis right now, but Mm -hmm. that would give you based on their cash flows and their 10 K are they overpriced or underpaced priced? What is the emotion? You know, you watch Tesla stock just go crazy. It's like, you know, 200 points up 200 points down. When do you buy it? You know, that's kind of the, the thing. My finance professor did an under uh, fascinating s- example with folks in the class. And he said, you know, this was 10 years ago. And he said, do you think Apple is overvalued or undervalued? And this was like iPod had just come out sort of thing. <laughs> Have not even released the I- the iPhone, but mm. still are like, they're, they're breaking through as like the you know, the gold star company that can't do wrong. And he asked people to raise their hand if they thought it was overvalued or undervalued because there was tons of hype. Mm -hmm. And almost everybody in the class said they were overvalued. And I believe the stock price at that time is about a third of what it was, what it is today. It was like a hundred or something. Yeah, it was unbelievably um, wildly successful. I I have an inclination that Amazon and Google are going to continue that trajectory honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, another thing he said was to invest in companies you like. You know, mm-hmm. if he said, I go to Trader Joe's and everybody's happy. <laughs> Everybody is like enjoying their lives because mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a pleasant shopping experience. They have interesting variety. It's not, you know, you can get organic food for cheap. Mm-hmm. And um, that was kind of his thing to invest in what you like, which I thought was a really smart uh, trick. Um, Well, it's also, what do you want to support? So you're putting your money behind these companies. You're, you're basically saying, here's my money. Go do something something with it. it. So what do you support? I I have thought that renewables is just like the easiest investment in the business at this point. If Mm -hmm. you can basically find a company that's doing renewable energy that, is probably one of the main competitors and not marred in you know 
shitty management and legal scandals and you know if it's not like one of those fake silicon valley companies i think you'll be okay yeah, be, you know? i'd be careful in the silicon valley companies. yeah exactly you invest in brass tacks you know whatever yeah renewables you're probably going to be okay at that and I, that's so my investment strategy has been just super basic mm-hmm. as of recent it's been like tech stocks mm-hmm. renewables and some consumer goods but what do you major. you know it's like what do you think you know well what do you think is really going to grow and what do you want to pay attention to like yeah. what do you think the few because we're we're at an age where we don't need to make money in 10 years we need we need cash flow today we need well we need cash flow for in 30 years like yeah, the longer term yeah. like and and i think to invest of I'm going to make an investment and then not do anything with it. Oh yeah, I'm not in the No, no, and I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm talking that style of an, of set it and forget it. Exactly. Know, the uh drop it in and then forget exactly. Forget you invested and then like cuz that's helped me and what I've noticed is those companies that I originally invested in and haven't pulled out or done anything have done really well. That's good. You pick uh and I've been how I picked those stocks and I'm, you know, I've done ones that I think are cool and they do bad, they do poorly, but there are ones that I choose for a specific, like, for example, I'll tell you Costco was one that I invested in yeah, so did I. a while ago. <laughs> yeah. When, when mom basically started talking about how great it was. <laughs> Once was she like, sw- made the switch from Sam's Club, to, Sam's Costco, Club to Costco, I was like, bam. I think I should buy this. Bam. And actually it was because I have heard so many middle-aged people talk about how great Costco is. I was like, shit, these people are buying They're stuff. They're all the ones that <laughs> buying <laughs> shit everywhere. So they, ha- they have, they have an enjoyable experience there. I so love going I there. Like, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I buy way too much stuff there. Yeah. I know I do. You know, it's like that's, but that's a good way to invest is. But, or, or if you go into a store and it's just absolutely jammed. Every mm-hmm. time I walk past an Apple Genius bar, it's oh my God. packed. Oh, I had to it's fix pandemonium. my work computer and we, we use Apple. You have to oh make an God. appointment. You need like five days Jeez. notice. It's a madhouse in there. Well, you look at the recent earnings. They just kicked ass. Yeah, they're out of, of control. Course. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're selling their phones for you know, half your mortgage you know, or more yeah. than you, you know, they're selling your phone for 1100, which who would have thought five years ago, we would be you paying pay. $1,100. Is that really the price of the new one? Yeah. So it's, it's nine. I think, I mean, it, you know, you could probably spend five grand on the thing if you put all the bells and whistles to it. But sure. I think base price is for the new one, nine ninety nine. Wow. I haven't even looked. Because, you know, remember, I remember when it was like $200 was a lot. Yeah, I think the last one I bought was like seven ninety nine. Yeah, I mean. Well, I know, it's, it's gone that, up. And that was that was two years ago. So in phone speak, that's ages yeah, that ago. Was, yeah, you're I'm paying the price, grandpa. though. Yeah. I, I am a grandpa. I gotta, and I you got to charge your phone about every hour. Yeah, I pretty much walk. <laughs> I, I, I basically move from outlet to outlet. <laughs> you see me at the airport. You, do you I have the like, portable charger yet? No, no, no. Oh, so, you don't have that one ripped in your backpack? No, I don't. I refuse to get to that level. I know. Because you're that guy. I can't do it. I know. I don't want to do it. So um, I did resort to bringing my charger when I was skiing just in the off chance that like I got separated from the squad and my phone died. So I needed some juice, but Mm -hmm. um, I resolve usually not to bring my charger around at this point. So even though I am talking about my investment strategy, take it with a grain of salt because my phone's (laughs) two and a half years old and it's a piece of shit. Oh, well. You know, you're you're choose, putting you your choose, money. Yeah, you got to be frugal you too. Put, you got to put you your can't money. Just 
spend money. It's a de- you're you're not going to get a whole lot of return out of that phone in terms of. I don't. I haven't the, found a way yet. No, to no. Get, other not, than like not, your business, so that is where I run into it. Is like, how, when has this started to inhibit my ability to run my business, and when is that cost outweighing the headache that it is to completely to you know deal with this shit battery life or whatever it may be yeah well we we filmed a video last year and it was like well you can just do this all on a phone yeah and so it's like well boop there you go that's enough reason for a business sense to make a purchase yeah Yeah. um if you're trying to do this stuff on your own no kidding but it's like those are that's a good way to make your decision is like okay what do i want to put out with this device other than just Instagram, my Instagram handle yeah. and how do I make a purchase? Cause a lot of people just buy the new thing every year just it's to true. get it. Just to have it. Yeah. And if that's something you value, go for it. And I really don't because the performance of the device is not like, it's not like I really need the processing power or the storage and memory no. or like the camera. I don't yeah. really care that much. Well, you got to have all your apps downloaded. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you got to have it's ridiculous. 400 apps. I've seen some people with apps on their phones. I don't even know. It looks well, like Skittles everywhere on their page. Yeah. You know, they like go multiple layers deep yep. on the, the, what the are folders. those, the folders. Yeah. That to me is just stressful. It's there's definitely a hoarding component to it. Oh yeah. I did a little app cleaning, which was good because it's you just accumulate so much garbage that you never use on those I know. things. That's a good idea. Is like a yearly app An cleaning app purge. Yeah. yeah. Like every app you had to use in the last like three months. Well, I, I've still resisted the urge to use like the ski tracking apps. Mm. You know, a lot of folks these days are. Are in the game. Oh, they're telling you how many. They're telling me how vertical? many MPH they're going. How many vertical do you yep. get today? I don't know, but uh, a gentleman I skied with. Uh, Google doesn't know though. <laughs> no, Google does not know how fast I'm going because my phone is dead. Uh, <laughs> and he he said to me that um, he he his top speed was 47, and I, and <laughs> I said. Play. And I said, that's not, there's no way you had to go faster than that. And we had this discussion about how it had to be at least 53 <laughs> because there was perhaps a segment that didn't register, yeah. you know, because maybe you're just going too fast. You There's <laughs> probably a glitch, maybe service cut out. Service could have cut out. Because it was in, in the steepest, were, yeah, yeah. steepest decline. Everybody knows that when you're going your fastest, service cuts out because it can't keep up with you. you Did know? I ever tell you what... Uh, so my significant other uh, was in the chalet, and one of the guys came up and hit on her and told her how fast he was. He went. Yes, that day. I recall that story, but refresh my so memory. So she was taking a break, and it. I think it was you and me were out doing our bomb runs, or just idiot runs, and uh, she was sitting like reading a book or doing something next to the fire, and he came up and was like. Hey, how's it going? And like, you know, she was like, get away. But he said, yeah, I think I, uh, think I got 45 or like some number. And she's like, oh yeah, well my, uh, my boyfriend at the time, my boyfriend, uh, him and his friends got up to 70 (laughs) and he just walked away. (laughs) And I was like, that's that's a pretty interesting thing to try to brag about to a lady. Like I hit 45 today or like I hit 28. I don't, yeah, I, I wouldn't lead with that one, that's for sure. No, I, I think he was, I'm sure he, what was happening is she probably was given a little bit of the cold shoulder, so he was just 
trying to throwing punches. Yeah, he was. He was just. Yeah, he was throwing anything. He was just haymakers. Yeah. Just hail mary, third and long. Yeah. It's fourth and long. It's I'm just going to chuck this I'm gonna one. Chuck up. this one up. Kobe. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. Yeah, it, skiing is such a is such a. I spent some time doing you know some skiing this past weekend. It's such a fun thing. But I was in Denver, and I will tell you, you can tell how many people are stoned. Like there are noticeable service hmm. disruptions by people just being space cadets. Really? I think so. So like, are you talking chairlift? I'm talking grocery store, airport. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> really? I, I'm talking people in the air grocery store. It's apparent because you have that blinding fluorescent white light. Oh yeah. And so everybody's eyes that you can see are red or super red mm-hmm. and people just, I don't know. There's take like their time. Yeah. They take their time basically. <laughs> so I was furious. <laughs> well, yeah, we're in and out of those. Yeah. When you're in the grocery store, you're, if you're, if you're not out of the store, I'm, I'm knocking you out of the way. That's yeah. for sure. I'm get your gonna, cart out of the way. I'm you're blocking up, half I'm of not it. putting up with this guff. No, I got to get to the ski hill. No, I got something to do. I want to make on. a sandwich. Stoners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, idiot. Yeah. I just think, it's really funny because those little things about ski trips where we have our little we have it dialed. I know. I've actually been thinking about didn't we didn't we keep track of what we bought last year? I don't know if we kept track. I've got a mental. I've got a pretty good mental picture of what it takes. Half pound, uh, half pound of meat per guy per sandwich per day was really questioned by the squad that I was with. It's too much. They thought it was too much. What did it work or? Um, it was slightly too much. It 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 could have not been too much, mm. but it was about. But my ration was a half pound of meat per day, mm-hmm. and so you know we got. I got four pounds of lunch meat for two days of skiing for four guys, and um, got a lot of guff. A lot oh of my feedback. god, a lot of feedback, and we had this. Uh, we had this. But but the the. So we did this on our trip to Hawaii. The lunch meat sandwich just loaded up is like the greatest thing on a ski vacation, on any vacation. Having having transportable lunch when you're traveling is is great because the last thing you want to do is back yourself into a corner, especially if you have people who get ornery when they're hungry. Mm. Oh my God. Or ornery when they're thirsty. God, I can, we'd be out skiing and people would start bitching and I just was wishing so badly that they could just drink water or eat, sh- or yeah. eat some sugar. Cause it was oh, yeah. like, you're just, you're literally just depleted right now. Yeah. It's, there's nothing but depletion that's happening and you're just punting on it. And it's mm-hmm. like, come on. Hey, this anyway. is game time. Yeah. We're trying to get some. This is the third vertical. quarter effort. Yeah. You got another. You have, you, we haven't even gotten to the fourth quarter it's yet. It's 1030 a.m., man. <laughs> yeah. I haven't even warmed up yet. Yeah. Uh, so, but I think my favorite thing about the trip was we had one of these guys who just comes up with uh, one-liners. Like, it's mm. unbelievable one-liners. And for those of you who know downhill skiing, you may be familiar with the tri- with the phrase pizza or French fry. Mm. Typically describes the shape that the skis make on the snow because a pizza. And we're back uh, because alien pi- intervention there. Yeah, a pizza is a 
you know, a triangle slow. that goes down the slope, which is much slower than French fry, which is basically where you're pointing them straight and just bombing it. And um, one of the guys, well, we were skiing some pretty tough terrain, and he was like, we got in the chairlift, and he was like, oh, yeah, that sucked. I, I just couldn't do anything but just loose pizza all over the top of that mountain. And I thought it was the funniest term, loose pizza. Loose pizza. Because it's very descriptive of, like, not having your... your control. Your, not having control, not having your shit together. Yeah. And so it it emerged into this, like, comment on all of our behavior for the rest of the trip. Like, if somebody dropped something, that was very loose pizza. Nice loose pizza, Oh, man. my gosh. It was so fun. Just one of those things where it's like you take yourself out of your element enough that people just have fun. You know, people Well, and just, like, it. in the moment, making just stupid making comments. And yeah. have, like, that's – I think that's why we continually revisit the ski trip for our friends. It's like it is just so fun. Yeah. It's, it's like fun. we have something to do every day. You work out and as men like to do, we like to do stuff together. Activities based uh yep. things. And this is a good segue because you sent a great video by Jordan Peterson about um men and their lack of, shall we say, direction. Mm -hmm. And I've been encountering this a lot because we often talk about male and female because we're 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 pretty well versed on the male side of things. We're not as experienced. Learning, You're, we're learning a lot about females, mm -hmm. and um, they. So Jordan Peterson was talking about how a lot of young men are disenfranchised by the educational system because the educational system values agreeableness, mm -hmm. and women are higher on an agreeability. Uh, women have generally higher degrees of agreeability and again we're talking about two normal distribution curves the female one is slightly more agreeable the male one is slightly less agreeable mm -hmm. so obviously there are outliers and blah 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 but um i thought it was really interesting because he's saying you know if you you are valuing agreeableness a lot of men will just be like no i don't want to do your thing I don't see any value in it and they're they're failing in the traditional system which is supposed to launch them you know mm -hmm. be it Educate, education launch, to yep. you know career and whatever so um his whole thing was that the concept of this movie or this video was basically that um it's not so um we have we're obsessed with rights mm -hmm. today you know, it's my right to have this or that or climate change is a right, you know, this or that. And his whole thing healthcare was is a right. healthcare is a right. There's this huge discussion about what is your rights today. Mm -hmm. And he was thinking that that does such a disservice to somebody because fundamentally rights are about a social, an agreeable social construct that we all subscribe to. Mm -hmm. My rights doesn't actually have anything to do with me. It has to do with what everybody as human beings whole decides should, should be exactly and his whole thing was like well that's fundamentally an external thing that men are going to reject mm -hmm. men are not going to be as motivated by their right to have education mm -hmm. his thing was like it's all about responsibility which we've talked about a lot we have but i've never heard it mm -hmm. as succinctly described as responsibility exactly and yep. and it was put it. and it was in the terms of motivation because he was like and the quote he said was um you know people will carry a heavy load if they have the 
if they have the ability to choose what load that is, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really beautifully put because when you're going up through the educational system, you don't ever really get a chance to choose which load you want to carry. No. You're kind of given an option. Like here are the five options. Here are the five options. Lawyer, doctor, fireman, policeman. Whatever other village people there are. (laughs) Why? (laughs) And I thought his, uh, his, his, his thing was like, we need to talk to young men about responsibility and sure. what your, and and this to me also is so key because I have a lot of friends who also tend to have a relatively nihilistic viewpoint in the sense of um, there's not really a component to life, meaning there's not a purpose. There's not really like a, um, you know, it's it's sort of a, just an amalgamation of nothingness and all meaning making is done by you as a person. Yep. And what I like about responsibility is it actually trumps that argument. 100%. Because, so human beings are social beings. We depend on each other. I mean, you can't really refute that, that like there is some sort of relationship. We're connected. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the connectedness between us all. And to me, that does enough to really kind of reject the argument of pure nihilism. Mm-hmm. Because, okay, well, now we've talked about a relationship, some sort of reciprocal thing that occurs mm-hmm. that we both can acknowledge. And when you throw in responsibility, what you do is you say, well, now I have a body, right? Um, Let's just say we are our camp is being totally rained on and punished by the weather for whatever reason. If nihilism were truly a thing, we could just like all walk over to the next we could just, you know, everybody disperse and walk to the next camp and like rebuild camp and nobody would think ill will of it. However, that's not the case. If you were to be the person who just left camp and walked to the new place, and you didn't carry anything. You didn't strike any. You didn't strike the camp down. You didn't help the community do anything. Mm-hmm. You're not. I don't. I don't think you're gonna last. So like you wouldn't last. You wouldn't last. So as a human, Look at a I, wolf pack. Yeah, you'd mm-hmm. be you'd be killed or left for dead. Mm-hmm. And um, what I liked about responsibility is it says like you having a body is enough for you to have responsibility. And the reason that people don't feel stoked about getting into the world and going out and, you know, making a change is because they haven't felt that responsibility. They haven't felt like I have the ability to carry something or I have the choice to carry something. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that, um, you know, if, if you are alive, that should be enough of a responsibility to want to deliver what you're most capable at delivering. Mm -hmm. And I think that has just been not really communicated to me in a way that has that level of clarity, you know, in terms of like, why should you want to be a member of society? And like, why should you actually care about whether or not you're, you know, as they say in healthcare, competing at the top of your license or (laughs) living your, you know, living and living your best life, I think is, is stupid. Yeah. from a cultural because perspective it's, like put on, it's been bastardized yes yeah, it's, it's on everybody's wall versus like 
living a life that is your most fully deployed self is kind of the way that I think of it. Well, and we're, of, I mean, we're efficiency, ex, like we, have we a, are we obsessed have been, with efficiency. Yeah, we are obsessed with So that's kind of our lens of the argument, but it gives great meaning, I think, to being on earth mm-hmm. of like, how can you contribute positively? And it also frames, I think, for men where we can contribute positively. Because I think men sometimes struggle a little bit because it's like, as a woman, your responsibility is a little easier to see. Well, having a child, bearing a child. It's been more cut and dry in the past. In the past. It is being questioned right now. It is. It is very much being questioned. And I'll wait till you finish that thought to go ahead on this rant. But yeah. So I think what it does is like, you know, there's a little bit. And I think one of his points was good, which which is the biological thing, which is men don't really have to participate in that game. Until they're like 50 or 60. Yeah, well, and I would argue that our drive to doesn't make us all that more valuable. No. Frankly, like if you look at it from an evolutionary perspective, perhaps, yes, having more kids or whatever makes you more defensible from a tribe perspective, but look at it from a... You take care of all these more mouths to feed. But look at it from a lion's perspective or a bear or a crocodile Mm -hmm. or an alligator. They have babies and just go eat the males. Well, that's, I that's mean, if literally you look at, so the most efficient That would be the most efficient. Is the crocodile. Yeah. They have, they have evolved the longest. Yeah. And when shit goes down, they eat those males. Well, they, and when, they wait outside of their nests that their wives, you know, lay and, when those little they fuckers the make their way, yeah, yeah, they eat the competition. Well, we, I mean, that's wild. We're, and we like, were obviously. in. I think we had that bachelor party in New Orleans, which is a absolute gas, mm-hmm. and we went on a fan boat. fan boat, and we learned a ton, and we were very inquisitive. That was really fascinating to learn about crocodiles and how they have evolved, and when the conditions are not right, they have women. So when the environment is not appropriate we have women which i have just as a personal experiment in my head of why do we have women versus men well it's because the prolonging of the species is increased with the amount of women women because men are much more indispensable you know disposable exactly and i'm I'm curious if that happens on a at a oh i'm sure it does you know you know in terms of like stress and some of these things you know, I'm always, that's just something that I'm constantly trying to figure out. It's just, it's a hypothesis, but learning that. But I think when you look at kind of a male's responsibility, it's hard to kind of go down that route of like, why are we here? You know, there's a lot of reasons of what can I contribute? And we don't, I, I think the way this video, it really struck me is like, there's not, there hasn't been this communication to me by any governing body, the church by school, by any of these entities that we kind of rely on to teach us these things. Well, yeah, that la- that clarity, um, I want to say, and it, some of it is going to be simply the nature of the game of maturation. You know, you maybe reach I, it maybe at the somebody's told time. me this fifty five hundred times. Perhaps they have, and you know, it's only starting to stick at this point. I'm sure, in our my lives, you know? our our mother is probably sitting there like brooding. Like I've told you this a thousand million times. I could how do you want me to play you? videos of when you're younger of me telling you this yeah and maybe now that we're of this age it's finally sinking in maybe that's how long it takes to sink in 
It, it could be, but I, the, the responsibility piece I just thought was, was such a great way to transcend um, some of those barriers to accessing like why you want to live a life. Mm-hmm. You know, why you even want to be here. So and why do you want to, like, what do you, when you wake up? And I think I was kind of thinking about what days do I feel just super gassed up? And what, when, when do I really feel good? And it's not, oh, when I was sitting on a beach sipping a, uh, you know, a Miami Vice pina colada hanging out. Yeah, those days are great. But when I really get excited and, and energy and infused, is when I do stuff, mm-hmm. when I take that responsibility and I move something forward, you know, I get, it gets super jacked up every time we get our results back for some of our pilots. It's like, how did we do? Yeah. And if we moved it forward, man, I can hardly sleep sometimes. Cause I'm just like, this is a great reason to kind of be here mm-hmm. and be alive and take responsibility of like, how do I translate, translate my knowledge and my skill set into something that other people can benefit from well and that that journey to get you in that position where which one of my ultimate goals in life has always been to turn my hobbies and interests into revenue generating things that sustain my life Mm -hmm. and it sounds like you're really kind of on the precipice of that occurring because i'm still not there yet from like you know my my intention of building a company that sustains my life is is not doing it right now yeah i've i've become i'm extremely fortunate to be in the position i'm in and i think it has not come easy for me it's taken a lot of failure and going around the wrong way but i think right now i can feel like i'm going in the right direction and i well that that's just so huge and i think that all of the decisions that you've made in your life to get you to that Point. Obviously, no, they're not lost on me who's no, no, witnessed yeah. it or anyone who's close to you. But um, for some of our listeners out there who may not feel that, um, who may not feel that, like, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, you know exactly what that's like. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, and I think people, there are times that I've, I think this is what has been like really getting at me is there are times in life when you make a decision, it's like, all right, I can take the red pill or the blue pill. And you have this decision all of the time. Like, is this going to get me closer or is this going to get me farther away? Mm -hmm. And the more you start to become aware of that decision of like, does this move me closer to where I want to be? You start to realize there's a ton of momentum in making that decision continue. Over and over again. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm going to send out that email. Well, that felt great. Okay, I did that. Oh, I'm going to, I might as well just do this now. Might as well just like you just start to get this momentum where you start taking that blue pill or going the other way, and you're like, all right, I'm gonna watch Netflix. All right, I'm gonna watch it again. Let's just watch. Like then you kind of like at the end of the day, like oh that didn't go very well. Mm -hmm. But it's like having the awareness to know like okay, this is the decision I'm making, and a lot of times I've thought I'm getting closer to you know how I'm doing it, and I end up in the completely wrong space. But having that awareness, I can remember back to like okay, I made that decision for this reason. And now you can learn from it. And now, of course, comes around and I maybe I learned more because I made the wrong decision. So it's like being like awareness for me right now is really important to how are we, how am I making a decision and what factors are there? And, you know, I got to make a decision at 80% instead of like 100%. And I got to just move and continually go. And I'm finding that 
a lot of these things start to show their their light of like okay this is the direction i want to go this person is pushing us the right way and you just start to get a better sense of how to make decisions and how to continue on the path and I, I there are a lot of there's been a lot of bad decisions for me a lot of decisions even over the last few weeks decisions that i'm like god that was so stupid yeah i know everybody does that and not beating yourself up about it is is a very mm-hmm. valuable skill too. It is. And that's something I think, you know, I look back to my personal journey. I've probably talked about this before, but personally, when I stopped really kicking myself, I started making better decisions. Because mm-hmm. there was a point in my life where I, all I thought about was like, how could I have done that better? Sure. And so I thought I was getting better by just beating myself up. Like I thought yeah, it's really a, putting a destructive myself, action, putting myself through this like massive review of like, yeah. I should have said this, I should have said this was positive. And what I realized is like, that's not helping me at all. Mm-hmm. That was like still me sitting there thinking about something that happened a while ago rather than like, okay, what do I need to learn? Let's go learn that. Yep. And then let's go make a different decision. The next time I made it now let's move on, you know, that took me a long time to get out of. And I think culturally we can kind of, I can see how, how we've been kind of taught to do that. When you look at grades and you look at all this stuff and there's a lot of ways to kind of get in that unhealthy mindset, but that's been a big, I think, launching point for me. And I just, you know, personally, I think that's been a big contributor towards finding more of my path and who knows where it goes in the next year or two, but it just feels like it's right. Well, I don't know if we can end on a better note than that, except uh, unless you were able to listen to the podcast in a pair of your fresh Just Brown underwears, uh, justbrownunderwear.com. Uh, there was a couple instances on the ski trip where I was extremely happy that I was uh, that I had a uh, extra man down low. We'll yeah. just say that. So Need some extra help. Needed some. I Yeah, anyway. So, so we read one quick thing. is There's an article that I was reading from uh, Harvard Health mm-hmm. that talked about um, Dyra, Dyra being a uh, something that's holding people back from socializing. Uh, that would really be a shame. So it's this was a this is a scientific article that said that it holds people back from socializing. So if you are having trouble socializing, you may want to think. You may about need it. to buy some insurance. Yeah. Just to keep you a little happier to know, like, hey, if I make a mistake, you got a you got a you got a card in the hole, so I, to speak. I got I'm covered. You're covered. I'm covered. I'm not going to get insurance policy. Yeah, you got the insurance policy. Well, you can buy the insurance policy at www.justbrownunderwear.com. And that's all we got for you today, folks. Tune in next week, and we'll be back kicking it here in the Rumpus Room.